You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about a fundamental topic, ethics, and the ethics specifically for us statisticians. Have you heard about the ISI ethics declaration? Well, in this episode, I'm talking with Katharina Schüller on exactly this topic. So stay tuned. Katharina is a really influential statistician, data scientist and CEO of a company here in Germany. She's a best-selling author, she's a LinkedIn top voice, she has really influence on what's happening here in Germany on a national scale and very visible there. And so I'm really happy to have her on the show and give a little bit of a perspective on ethical considerations for us statisticians especially in the healthcare area, in pharma, in CRO, in universities, we are held accountable to a very high standard because we don't deal with financial data. We don't deal with numbers that go in you know, some kind of organizational aspect. We deal mostly with patient data directly affects the health of patients. So this is really, really important for us. So stay tuned for this really, really good discussion with her. And this will be for sure not the last episode I will have with Katarina. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration for all PSI webinars, and much more. Head over to the PSI website, psiweb.org, to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician and today I'm really excited to speak about a topic that I think I haven't yet covered in over 300 episodes and therefore it's really, really due. And I got inspired by it by the guests that I have today. Katharina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you for inviting me. Very good. So before we dive into the topic, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit and what you're doing and what your company is doing. Yeah, thank you. So my name is Katharina Schuller. I'm a statistician. I studied statistics, so I have a diploma in professional lying, what I sometimes say, but this is exactly our topic. So why is it wrong to say that statistics is all lies? And I'm very engaged in the topic of what is statistical literacy, what is data literacy as a university teacher, as a researcher, but I'm in my heart, I'm an entrepreneur. I founded a company for statistical consulting, data science, and meanwhile, also artificial intelligence. I founded it in 2003, so we're 20 years now. 
So the company's name is Startup. It's not a startup, but it's a statistical company. And we consult clients from many different branches, including pharmaceutical and medical research, but also industry, finance, and the public sector. And it's on data science, analytics, but also data strategies, and often on competence building and ethical questions. Very, very good. Yeah, and I saw a couple of posts from you about kind of where things cross the line and where statisticians, data scientists need to step in to make sure that things are well understood, that there's no lying with statistics, and that you have, yeah, that's the ethical guidelines put in place. And recently, there was an A conference in Ottawa, where there was a session about this. Maybe you can speak a little bit about uh, the session and the, the topic of it. Yes, of course. So the conference was the World Statistics Congress in, in Ottawa, and it was my first time there, and I was really overwhelmed by the spirit of meeting so many statisticians from all over the world, all sharing common set of, of values, maybe even though we have different backgrounds, but you, you could feel it that there is, is a common sense of values and ethics. And a very important discussion on the World Statistics Congress was the latest declaration of ethics from the International Statistics Institute, the ISI. So the declaration of ethics is nothing completely new. The first one was published in 1985, but there's an update now. And the question was now, how can we promote that and why it is, is it so relevant? Not only that statisticians are aware of professional ethics and know how to apply it. And what does it mean in a world where so many people use statistics, use data, often also misuse data and statistics? And what is our role? What is our responsibility and as statisticians? And is it really enough that we say, okay, professional ethics is how we deal with data, how we analyze data and uh, yeah, assure the quality of data, or does it go beyond? Are we also responsible for other what other people do with it? And do we have to respond when statistics and data is misused in society? That's a very, very broad thing. So should, let's go big one step. Why do you think, actually think that such a guideline is necessary? Well, I mean, it's clear that we have a lot of ethical discussions when it comes to data, algorithms, and statistics. And I observe a lot of ethical concerns within the professional community, and that's not only among statisticians, it's also among developers, computer scientists, even inside the industry. So, for example, we don't want to discriminate individuals. We don't want to develop AI systems that bring unacceptable risks. Um, and they are in direct connection with professional ethics. But obviously, professional statisticians also feel a responsibility for society because we have role of, let's say, trustees for data and information. And in many cases, ethical principles are already established in the disciplines that we work with, but in others, they are not. And this is very, to me, it's very clear when we see or when we hear that people are talking about evidence-based policy. And this is the new magic. It's evidence-based. Everything's evidence-based. But in my perception, this is kind of a buzzword. So statistics is 
used a lot to justify uh, regulations or to justify decision making. That's really important for society. And we have seen this in Corona times, but in fact, it's not evidence-based in the sense that it should be. That means there is no evaluation process, especially there is no awareness for yeah, for the criteria the data and statistics should fulfill to be a good basis for this, for decision-making, public decision-making. Yeah, in that, that's a good thing that you mentioned that there's always an overlap with the other areas we apply statistics in. And so there's in medicine, for example, there's, there's a lot of movement around evidence-based medicine and to kind of get away from eminence-based medicine. <laughs> and lots of people worked have worked a lot in, in that regard. And the Cochrane collaboration was founded as, as a result of that. And um, I think the name that everybody should be familiar with is Doug Altman, uh, who played a major role, fortunately passed away last year. Yeah. So yes, that is very, very important. Now, you mentioned the, that says, of course, we want to be not discriminating. And we also probably want to be kind of transparent in what is possible and what is not possible. Now, we always need to kind of put things also into perspective. Yeah. So, so just sharing the numbers is usually not helpful because People don't understand it directly. What does that mean? What what does that odds ratio mean? Yeah. What does this confidence interval mean? Yeah. How robust are the data? So in my day-to-day -day work, I'm very often challenged to say, well, you need to not just show the data, you also need to explain it. You need to tell a story around it. So Where would I cross the line in kind of starting to, yeah, not be unbiased anymore, not be kind of, yeah. That is very often the critique I, I hear a lot kind of. Is it, is it showing a figure already kind of, you know, biasing because then I, you know, make, make decisions on what is more important, what is less important and things like this? Yes. So I think this is, it, it starts one big step before. And it starts with a misunderstanding that there is something like objectivity or neutrality or that there is something like objective facts because mm -hmm. facts are products and they depend on values and attitudes. It begins with the question, what do we count? What do we measure? Mm -hmm. We do not measure and count everything, but only that what we think is important. And there is already the first bias that comes in. But even if we assume that this is all in a good balance that we have outweighed all the pros and cons, what to measure, what not, and how to how to gather the data and clean the data. And then we communicate a number, a KPI. It is always seen in context, and there is always a nonverbal and implicit message that's sent with it. And this, I think this is very obvious when we talk about the difference between relative and absolute changes. So one of my favorite examples was a headline in the Manager magazine regarding the Albright study in 2018. The Albright study documents each year the number and proportion of women in boards and what has changed and so on. And the headline was 
the proportion of women in boards changed by 0.7%, which was put in brackets. And the communication is clear because it, it, and then it works only because we have knowledge about context. So we know that the proportion of women on boards is not 50% and it's not 90%, but it's rather between 5 and 10%. So what the headline tells us is, well, we discuss about gender quotas. We even have a law for that, but nothing changes. And in brackets, economy is still in good condition. So why are we discussing about that? First thing is the figure was wrong because it was not 0.7%, it was 0.7 percentage points. So it was a change from 7.3% to 8%. But you could also say, well, the proportion of women boards has changed by almost 10%. And suddenly it sounds like a huge change yeah? and it gives a completely different message that means, wow, we have regulations and they work. Finally, we get women in responsibility and in top management positions. And, and this is something that's communicated if you want it or not. And you yeah. should be aware of that. You communicate it, the recipient will read it and the message will understand it. So whatever we communicate has a message that goes far beyond the objective data. And this is, this is such an important thing to understand. And I think why many statisticians would need more education and training. Yep. Just because it's factual correct does not necessarily mean that the audience gets it right. I have uh, my favorite example in medicine is statements like patients treated with drug whatsoever achieved 90% response. And then as a reader, you think like, well, drug whatsoever needs to be really, really good because it achieves 90% response. But that's not what the sentence says. The sentence just says that patients who were treated with that achieved it. This is a typical sentence that you would get from these one-armed studies or from one-armed observational studies or these kind of areas where with a statement, you imply, you know, causality, or you, you kind of make the reader think there is causality, when in fact, it is not. Yeah. And of course, the sentence, if you, you know, if you read it very, very carefully, you see that, you know, there's no causality implied. But of course, 99% of the readers will not read it that carefully. And so that is a typical example where I think you step the line, you're correct, and in, you know, in parentheses, in fact, you're misleading. Yes, and the question is, how can we solve that? So is it only about statisticians or is it also about requirement of teaching basic statistics, statistical competence? to everyone who consumes statistics and decides based on statistics? And what is our role as statisticians there? So if I go back now to the ISI ethics guideline, how will that help me? What? How will that kind of help me in looking into these kind of things? Yeah, so the ISI declaration of ethics tries to build a bridge between lots of different guidelines on ethics and yeah, other documents that you can find, as I said, starting quite early in 1985. And so there are, so it 
was based then on yeah on guidelines developed by statistical associations in UK and in the US. And then soon it was adopted by other organizations like the UN and the UE, uh, European Union and OECD and so on. And it's it has two perspectives. So it's really a um, discussion about what are the values that we should have as professional statisticians. And in this declaration, as well as in the ethical guidelines from the American Statistical Association, the definition of who is a statistician is very broad. It's not only someone who works as a statistician with a title or has studied it, but simply everyone who deals with numbers. So it describes what are so, so the core values, the ethics, and how they are linked to our daily practice that means to designing studies, collecting data, managing, analyzing, communicating, even leading with data. And furthermore, it has sort of the guidelines, how it can be applied. And some of them also, when they're especially when they're implemented in official statistics, they help to design work process or workflows. And how can, from a technical perspective, be guaranteed that the data quality is all right and that the data can be used. And that... Yeah, that requirements like privacy, for example, are followed by design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Privacy is a big, big thing in the medical community, of course, because pretty much everything we deal with has is highly sensitive. So from these different values, what are the values that kind of first come to mind that we should, you know, think about? Well, the Declaration of Ethics, the first value is respect, of course, addresses privacy issues, but it's it's so important because it's directly linked to the Declaration of Human Rights in 1984, to Article 12, which says that no one shall be subjected to arbitrary interference with his privacy, family, home, or correspondence, nor to attacks upon his honor and reputation. And everyone has the right to the protection of the law against such interference or attacks. And that is, means, of course, it, it addresses your personal data, your informational rights. So there is a link to human rights in this value of respect. And I think the more we discuss about data as the oil of the 21st century or the new gold, it should be clear that it's valuable and that we should have respect towards people who give us their data. In many cases, they give them to us for free. So we should treat them with respect and they treat this asset with respect. Yeah, completely agree. And when I think about the medical space, I often think about put the patient first. And that is a guideline that you can kind of always have in your head. Everything should be targeted towards that. And if you if there's anything you do that is not in line with that, it's probably wrong. I very often like to have this red face test for me there. Is it, is what I'm doing here, if that would be kind of published in a, national article or national newspaper or, you know, all my friends and my families would know about it. How would I feel about it? And if I would feel bad about it, that's wrong. Yeah. So that's, that's a very, very nice way to kind of, you know, think about it uh, as well. Respect. What else are the values that we should think about? 
Oh, it's of course professionalism. So um, deal with that in a professional way. This also includes ongoing education and training, be aware of new methodologies and techniques and so on, and truthfulness and integrity. So we don't lie. So mm -hmm. we try to be as neutral as possible. And we want to, yeah, we want to use statistics and information data for the public good or as the ISI states for a better world. And this is, I think this is very interesting when you see the value of respect under this perspective, because many people just think it's unethical to misuse data, which is of course clear. But in my opinion, it's also unethical if we have a good use case for data that would help make the world a better place or even just a bit better for one or two persons, but then not to use the data for that. So this is also unethical. So it's not only about thinking, hey, what would people think if I do it? And if, if it's maybe I feel not good with it or I don't, I don't like it, then I won't do it. But it's also what would people think if I don't do it? If they know that I could have done it and it would have improved life for others or improved the condition for our population, for the planet, for, yeah, for our environment. That's very, very good. Yeah. Not doing something can be as harmful as doing something in many, many cases. And that's an interesting perspective also from the sense that speaking up, raising your voice, saying that something is not correct, saying that something is nicely or not correctly discussed or shown, that is really, really important. So standing up for these things also requires a lot of courage. What do you think about that? Yeah, this is a, a really important point that you make here. Just one example from history. It was in the 19th century in Russia that statisticians in some local statistical bureaus decided to create new indicators that help measure the conditions, often disastrous conditions, of people living in rural areas. Because until then... Nobody knew about that and they wanted to raise awareness for that, for their situation and also trigger policy interventions, trigger political actions. And then they, they had no opportunity to, to discuss this in, in a broader community except for the ISI. Mm. So that was a, a really important case for the ISI where they had professional colleagues from all over the world to also to discuss their methodologies and how they can improve that. Professionalism is also, I think, understanding how your environment works. Yeah. What is the bigger picture? How do these information fit in? How will it be further used? I think it's pretty naive to just hand over a report and then trust that everything will be fine with it. Yeah. It's also important to ensure as much as you can, that further down the line, the data is used appropriately, the statistics are understood, and that not the wrong headline is created like you had with the Albright report, yeah, that people don't make up, you know, oh, we have a 10% increase when in, in, in fact, you know, nothing has a lot of change, yeah. These are really, really important things. And in the history of medicine, there have been so many instances where statisticians created good reports, 
but weren't able to influence what happens with them down the line. And then that leads to misunderstandings. So I think it's it's really important to reach out there further. And as you said, you know, the we currently very often think about statisticians in a very, very, let's say, restricted way. People have, that have st- studied statistics. But in fact, the ISI uh, declaration goes beyond that. And the people that use these statistics also have a obligation, an ethical obligation to understand what they're actually doing with the data and how they're communicating with the data. Yes, and I think you can see an important parallel if you go to the movie Oppenheimer. It's very much the same. Yeah, there is, So they focused just on developing a new technology and then it was used by policymakers and we all know the result. Hiroshima yeah. Nagasaki and so what is the responsibility of the scientists? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves as statisticians, because there can be an enormous weapon nowadays. If you think about artificial intelligence, yeah. if you think about all the different techniques that are used to statistical methods, machine learning methods that are used with in social media, these can help or harm. And there's a lot of a lot of debate about how that may be more harmful than helpful in, in some regards. In a nutshell, what if you think about the ethics declaration and you think about, okay, who should all read it? Well, I don't know if so, so many people really feel that they want to read it. I mean, you can, can just summarize it on one page if you just um, take the headlines for the principles and, and the values and so on. And maybe that's not the most helpful thing to read the declaration. It's, it's a question that we who support the declaration should ask ourselves, how can we promote it? How can mm-hmm. we help it being applied? So what is needed for the training of statisticians and other users of data and statistics? And that was, in fact, the session that I was very active in at the World Statistics Congress. So how can we use online resources, education and training, even uh, concepts like gamification to spread the declaration and to spread the spirit of the declaration and to help others apply it in, in, in very concrete situations in their daily life. So what does it mean if I have a certain problem? Is there an ethical question associated with the problem? How can I uh, reflect on that ethical um, question? How can I find a good solution? And I think this needs very good examples. And we have some, yeah, maybe some examples that could serve as a blueprint. For example, I had the fantastic opportunity to work on the development of an app um, that was published in 2021. It's called Stadtlanddatenfluss. Stadtlandfluss is a very common game in Germany. And it's for data literacy for all. And you can just play it. So it's really like in, an app that you play and you learn how data is is present in everyday life and all diff- in many different situations. And it was um, also under the patronage of our former Chancellor Angela Merkel. So that was really a pleasure to work with her and have a few meetings with her. And for the more professional perspective, we developed a course it's called Data Informed Decision Making. It's also free. So also the app is free. 
And the background of that course was that I chaired a working group for FENSTATS with the, the, federa the Federation of National U of European Statistical Societies. So we had a working group on COVID-19. And the idea was to collect best practices, mostly from Europe, but also other parts of the world, how others dealt with data and statistics, created reports and so on, because... Well, we all know that Germany was not the best example for that. And then we had a huge collection and thought, okay, what can we do? Put it on the website. Who will read it? Should we write another article that nobody will read? And then we, we had the chance to collaborate with the AI campus, which is a learning platform for AI and data. And they said, okay, do you want to create an online course? So yes, we said, yes, we will create this course. And it's, it's an online learning resource. And it also has a strong focus on ethical aspects and it gives you lots of, of details and quizzes and case studies where you can just play around and see, okay, you can learn, for example, what's the difference between, between data or statistics and the meaning of that statistics. So, for example, we have an interactive element in this course that shows you how corona testing functions, how the estimation of the incidence And the estimation of the R, R rate, the reproduction rate, changes when you have different assumptions about tests. Yep. For example, about the uh, sensitivity, sensitivity and specificity of the tests. So, how does the, the proportion of false positives change when you change a little bit of the sensitivity or Or what happens if you broaden your testing strategy if you start testing only people with symptoms and then do mass testing? Yeah. What effect does this have on the estimated numbers? And you can play around it and see it so that you really experience so that that it's not only about data. It's also a lot about the assumptions you have about data and so that you can properly evaluate the results. Yeah, that is very, very good. One of the big things happened, one of the big topics within medical statistics is the so-called estimate. And with the estimate, we want to describe under which different kind of assumptions treatments works. Yeah. So if you assume that, for example, you take the treatment as described, as prescribed, or if you think, well, what would happen if, you know, we would be in a perfect world? What would happen if, you know, the, the typical things happen that happen in clinical practice? All these different assumptions lead to different questions and to different analysis, of course, and therefore needs to be interpreted differently. And, yep, that is very, very good. You know, these kind of different scenarios, these gamifications help a lot to understand this. So for you as a listener to this episode, If you're interested in learning more about this declaration, then head over to the show notes. We will put all the different links that we have just mentioned there so that you can use it and first distribute it within your organization. Please also share the podcast with your colleagues and friends because I think this is a really, really important topic. And one of the reasons why I wanted to records this episode was also to promote this topic because I think it's a really, really important one. And it comes up in your work 
again and again and again. And therefore, it's absolutely critical. So we talked about, you know, where all this kind of came from, the values of it, what you can do with it. Katharina, is there any kind of final things that you would like to listen to get away with after listening to this episode? Yeah, I hope that you think in your daily practice about the ethical aspects. I think many of us, so we just do it, but often it's important to reflect on it a little bit more and also that our responsibilities go beyond our daily business and communication is a really, really important skill. We as statisticians want to be effective and, and true leaders. And I think that's a role that we can have in the future with a more important role of data. Yeah, and I can only say I really enjoy the conversation with you, Alexander, and I hope we can continue it in another podcast or just... <laughs> There will be surely further opportunities to chat about this topic. We have just kind of scratched on the surface of a couple of these things, and there's much more to say about this. Thanks so much. Thank you. I hope you really enjoyed this episode with Katharina. If you like it, please share it. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and her team at VVS, well with the show in the background, and thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science and certifications. Just be an effective statistician.